Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles fearless records Punk Goes Ellipses series to answer the age-old question, hell yeah or yeah nah. We need a script for that because it's like, whew, I've got to memorize a bit. Yeah, you just kind of have to um, like take a deep breath and just like go for it. Don't overthink it. Just realize that failure will happen and just embrace it. Embrace the failure. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> how 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 are you? I am well. I we're, we're acting like we haven't had this conversation <laughs> yeah. prior to this recording. <laughs> I am working in an office again, which is good. Um, but I am also very aware that, like, because I'm still getting acclimated to being back in environments where I have to talk to people all day. Like, by the time I get home, I've already, like, exhausted my words for the day. Yeah. Um, in saying that, this is a lot less um, difficult than I thought it would be. The podcast or working in an office? The podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's the, the benefit of having two hosts. <laughs> is, if, <yeah. laughs> is if I'm slacking, I can rely on you to, like, pick up the slack a little bit. Yeah, and vice versa. Um, but no, we'll get there. How are you? I I discovered today that there's a toy line called Fart Ninjas. That's very upsetting. I was uh, doing more work for toys, saw the Stretch Armstrongs again, and just... Just fucking buy one next time. Wept, because I didn't have one. Now, I'm standing there, and I'm doing inventory on one toy, and I hear a fart behind me, and I'm like, Wait, what was that? There's no one behind me. And then I turn around and yeah, there's these toys called fart ninjas and they make fart noises. So are they like sensor based toys where you I walk? think so. Yeah. I like there was already so much crap in the toy department when we were kids, never mind today. Like And I'm not gonna be that person that's like oh, you know I'm neither gonna be that person that's like toys were better back when we were kids or Toys are better now. Toys have basically remained the same. They have. Like, and there's just too many. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I'm like I would say the where it's sort of gotten worse is the girls' toys are just fucking horrendous. Like they're just ugly. Yeah. Ugly like just these big eyes. Like Barbies remain the same. Barbie's classic. Yes. But like, yeah, a lot of these other ones are just like what? Who are you trying to market this towards? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we had pound puppies when we were kids and that was enough. And now there's literally like 10 different lines of like bug-eyed cute plushies. I did like, there is one line of like girls dinosaurs. Oh, that is pretty cute. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like a sort of pastel-y aqua green colour. But then it's also got like a kind of bit of a hairdo as well for some reason. It's a bit strange. Like, yeah. On second thoughts, it's just like needlessly gendered. Needlessly gendered. <laughs> because girl, I mean, cause dinosaurs could also be female. It would be pretty wild to be a toy developer. Like you would just, you'd have like the most whacked out idea. Yeah. And as long as it's like easily replicable, 
do you, do you want to like make a, a toilet and put some like slime in it and the slime makes fart noises oh. when you press into it? Yeah. And that's a toy that's been around for... I had that toy and my niece has had that toy. I know, laughing all the way to the bank with your fart toilet money. <laughs> toilet humour. <laughs> Jesus. I do believe that is now the time to discuss this week's song. Get your glow sticks out. Um, your, your huge jeans. Your huge, low-waisted jeans. Yeah, your Jenko jeans. Um, your your uh, chokers. Yep. And your slap bracelets. Was that slap bracelets was our time, or was that before our time? That was our time, but to me, they don't really... F- oh, I see what you're doing here. I was going more with like the club kid vibe as opposed to the 90s vibe. Oh, yeah, I was going 90s. But that makes perfect sense, because this week we are looking at the song Believe by Cher, as covered by Artema for the Japanese edition of Punk Goes 90s 2. Yes. So, Cher... Yes. Originally was born Sherilyn Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1946 in El Centro, California. Her father, John Sarkeesian, an Armenian-American truck driver, was absent for the majority of Cher's earlier years. Her mother, Georgia Holt, formerly known as Jackie Jean Crouch, moved to Los Angeles with Cher with aspirations of becoming an actress. Remember that episode of Drag Race? Where uh, Georgia Holt and Cher's son Chaz were on there, and they were just miserable people. Oh yeah! And we just we spent the entirety of that time with them on the television, just going. Oh uh, yeah, they so just, sad. There was just something about them, like they, and like you encounter those people every now and then, but they're just they their base level like disposition is just very sort of glum like they look like they're constantly frowning and they're yeah. just yeah like <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just like uh how much do you want to bet they reached out to share and share was like no nah, but my mom and my son could, <laughs> could, could probably do it that's wonderful <laughs> um so she grew up poor and her mother married multiple times moving the family around the country share recounts using rubber bands to tie her shoes and Holt left Cher at an orphanage for a few weeks, but both parties admit this was a traumatic experience. Hmm, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, not um, not not an ideal way to live. So when she was in the fifth grade, Cher produced a performance of the musical Oklahoma for her school. Sick. The, the cast were all female, so like the opposite of like Shakespearean plays. Beautiful, yep. The cast were all female with Cher, who couldn't convince any of her male classmates to join in, and because of her deep voice, performed all of the male roles. That's 
That's dope. Yeah, sick. So she grew up idolising Audrey Hepburn and lamented the absence of dark-haired actresses. And at the age of 16, and having moved back to LA, Cher met then 27-year-old performer Sonny Bono, who was working for record producer Phil Spector. Big yikes. Yeah, I was about to say, that's a big oof. She would take a job as Bono's housekeeper. And a, he job. Would, a job. <laughs> a job. A job. As Bono's housekeeper, and he would introduce her to Phil Spector. Again, she's lucky that she got out with her life. The infamous producer would use her also, as Also, fuck Bono for having... Oh, I thought you meant Bono from U2. <laughs> no, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say my point stands, but I have no reason to be mad at Bono. <laughs> I mean... I know that, like, he... I know that, like, he's helped a lot of... I know that he's helped a lot of starving children, but has he done it to basically massage his ego we're not talking about you two today let's keep going (laughs) the infamous producer being phil specter would use her as a backup vocalist for such acts as the righteous brothers and the ronettes Mm -hmm. specter produced shares at the time performing as bonnie joe mason first single ringo i love you the song was rejected by many radio stations, with DJs confusing Cher's deep contralto voice for that of a man assuming the song was a homosexual love ballad for Ringo Starr. I, I feel like Ringo Starr deserves love ballads. Yes. and I mean, I guess it's it was, the, what, like the 60s, so like, they were still very, very, very repressed back oh, then. Oh, I get but like, but like, also like, who gives a flying fuck? Like, yeah. I listened to the song and... I mean, it's it's clear when you listen to it, it's like, oh yeah, that's Cher. But at the time, I could see where they would be going, is that a man or a woman? I can't tell. Um, but yeah, like, we've come so far, but yet still have so, so much more to go. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, but you're right. Ringo does deserve a love ballad. He did get that episode of The Simpsons about him, though. Yeah. Yeah. So her relationship with Sonny developed over the coming years, and in 1964, when Cher was 18, the pair married, and he would have been 29. Fucking hell. Uh, Bono encouraged Cher to go out as a solo act, but she promoted the idea of them singing as a duo. The idea of them singing as a two-piece also came about because Cher had terrible stage fright. She would hide her nervousness by looking at Bono. She described it as singing to the audience through him. It's like kind of amazing when you consider how how far her career has gone. That like that someone like that could yeah have stage fright. It's like oh yeah, these people are mortal as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I just think that's a, a, that was a cute story about their origins. But despite like the age gap, which squeaks me out a bit. But um. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and it's like. Yeah, like how soon after she turned 18 did they get married? But, mm. but, the pair experienced great success with songs like I Got You Babe and their variety show The Sunny and Cher Comedy Hour. However, by the end of the 1960s, with the success of bands like Led Zeppelin and Cream, and because of their monogamous relationship during the free love movement, Sunny and Cher's popularity began to wane. Cher was a big fan of bands like Zeppelin and Cream, and was ready to change her sound, but Sonny wasn't interested, and according to her, that was that. In 1975, they divorced. 
Uh, and then in 1975, she married Greg Allman of the Allman Brothers, which possibly helped endear her to a slightly younger audience once again, mm-hmm. even though she would have still only been in like her late 20s. I guess like maybe the married thing sort of alienated her, but then it's like, well, if you married someone who was hip to young kids or like technically like kids or young adults her age, then that sort of brings you back into... Because I don't know how hip the Allman Brothers were, but they were, they were like... They were like heartthrobs, weren't they? Yeah, like compared to Sonny Bono, like they were, you know, they were David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Man. Uh, So they were married for four years, divorcing in 1979. Mm -hmm. In her career, she has performed under multiple different genres like folk, disco, rock, pop. Uh, And I've, I've just sort of like made the, and going back to David Bowie, like, made the the query that, like, because of the fact that she has evolved her sound for the time while keeping it very much her own, mm. and because she has, you know, gone off into other avenues like acting, um, whether she, like, like, one that's contributed to her colossal career, like, 50, yeah. 50 years. Yeah, that's insane. Um, and, like... Kind of, like, almost consider her to be almost, like, the female David Bowie in that, like, there's a mystique to share, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just this sort of, like, are you a human or are you an alien, kind of, in the best possible way? She, yeah, she's definitely one of those artists that, like, she, I feel like she's one of the relatively few artists that does maintain that sort of... Um, like, law around who she mm. is, especially in the age of social media. Like, I know that Cher has a Twitter account and she tweets really goofy shit because she's a boomer or what? What, boomer? No. Oh, uh, bef- that pre- precedes boomer, doesn't Doesn't Because that was, like, the... Boomers were the 60s, I think, weren't Oof. they? Because anyway. that was, like, just post-war World War Two that she was born. Yeah, jeez. So. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just that's old people using computers... But she still has that sort of mythical element to her. Um, and I imagine with her three children, Chaz Bono, the other one with the with Greg Orman and Davey Havoc. <sighs> 2003 Davey Havoc looks remarkably like, well, 2003 Cher. Yes. What I was what I was getting at with her two children. Yes. Um I imagine there's some grandchildren, even maybe some great grandchildren. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, like but I'm just saying like you're talking about like boomer humor and I'm also saying like oh and there's probably some grandma humor in there as well. True. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why my voice cracked then. It's True. Just, it's just so beautiful. Um yeah. No, she is a force to be reckoned with. Just a cool lady. Yeah. Huh? Like, look, like, this has been nearly, this, this run sheet is possibly the longest run sheet I've ever written because it was like, I just kept finding out stuff about Cher and I was like, oh, I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just fascinated, fascinated by Cher. So, yeah. Uh, would you like to talk about Believe? Sure. So, Believe. No, Cher. What? You said sure. Oh my god. Okay. Sorry, I cut your auto-tune joke. Well, 
Believe was the first single from Cher's 22nd studio album. 22nd. 22nd. What the F? That yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so the album was entitled Believe and was released in 1998. The song was co-written by Brian Higgins, who has worked with the Minogue Sisters and the Sugar Babes, to name a few. Uh, Paul Barry, who has worked with Enrique Iglesias, for example, on the straight-up banger Hero, and Tim Powell, who has collaborated with the Pet Shop Boys. Remember the Sugar Babes? They're so good. Like, yeah, I remember listening to a... I think it was a podcast about them, um, because I just had forgotten how much... Like, not Turmoil, but they were one of those, like, girl groups that did go through, like, personnel changes. And oh, really? behind the scenes, it was a bit mucky, I think. Oh. Um, but, yeah. Every now and then, I'll, like, chuck on their hits. I'm just like, yes. Were they... Did they sing The Beach? The Beach? Yeah, the one... The song for the movie, The Beach. Oh, do you mean Pure Shores? That's All Saints. Oh, that's All Saints. Yeah, no. Sugar Babes did the, um, round, 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 round. Yes. Da-da. Yeah. Um, such a good song. So yeah, um, Cher was in good hands on this one. A very British, uh, background. (laughs) Like, they're all, they're all palms except for her. Love it. Uh, the song was produced by Mark Taylor, uh, who has worked on the likes of On a Night Like This by Kylie Minogue and Addicted by Enrique Iglesias, and Brian Rowling, who produced 24-7 by Tina Turner Enrique by Enrique Iglesias and Heathen by David Bowie, among others, I assume. Oh, yeah. Um, Sometimes with these, especially with these British producers, it's like, they'll produce one really big thing. Yeah. And then it's like, then they work with Atomic Kittens in like, Atomic Kittens is like seventh studio album. It's like, well, is that really noteworthy? I I enjoyed Atomic Kitten back in the day. It is noteworthy in in the sense that you're doing better than I am, but, like, do I need to talk about that? <laughs> yes. Do I need to write about that? <laughs> Absolutely, you do. Okay. I still th- we'll start putting those in, then. No. Um, one of my favourite, like, people-watching things that I've ever encountered was, like, early in the morning one day I, like, went to some random cafe. I can't remember which one to get a coffee. <laughs> there were, like, two dudes behind the counter, and, like, they just looked very classic, like, Melbourne coffee dude so like yeah. pretty masculine like flannos that sort of thing and hole again by atomic kitten was on the radio <laughs> and so one of them was like singing along like really like earnestly like it wasn't even like a <laughs> and yeah that made my coffee taste much better it's anyway like, it's like that scene from promising young woman where he's in the oh, pharmacy with yeah with- with her and the Paris Hilton song starts oh up and he just he's sort of singing it and she's like, are you singing to Paris Hilton? He's like, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot to be said for men being quite attractive when they sing along to pop songs in, um, I don't know. Public. Good to know. Yes. Yes. Anyway, back to Believe. Um, this <laughs> man... Believe adopted a more upbeat dance pop style. Um, The goal was to write a Cher dance record without alienating her fans. Um, And although she is not credited as having written the song, Cher claims to have written the lyrics 
I need time to move on. I need love to be strong. I've had time to think it through and maybe I'm too good for you. Uh, she said the original lyrics of the second verse were too whiny and it pissed her off. <laughs> and she, she came to that realisation in the bath. In the bath. <laughs> in the bath. See, it's like us in the shower. Like, yeah. that you, there's something about immersing yourself in hot water yeah. that just brings the best ideas to the surface. Yeah, I just, I just like the idea of her just like sitting in the bath and just like stewing about that lyric. And she's like, she's getting so steamed that it's like bubbling the water. <laughs> So, like, did she come to the realisation that the lyrics were whiny in the bath? Or did she come to the realisation that, like, these lyrics would be better then? Because I'm just picturing her, like, sitting in silence in the bath and then she's just like, I hate that second verse. Yes. I love... Oh, man. (laughs) I I don't know which one it was. I know, you don't. I I do like the idea of, like, it's just she's, she's in the bath and, like, she's not thought about it all day, but then just, like... <laughs> and then it just, like, sends a cold chill down her spine. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, if you have been living under a rock for the last... I need to stop saying 20 years, but I guess, like, 25. It's 20, 23. 23 years. I'll just say 25 to, like, round it off to a nice yeah. whole number. So I like that. Um, Believe uses autotune. Uh, so Mark Taylor used auto-tune to create unnaturally rapid corrections, uh, removing portamento, the natural yeah. slide between pitches and singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor did not tell Cher about the use of auto-tune, but she backed the decision and even defended it when Warner wanted it removed. Uh, <laughs> I love this fact. The producers lied to Warner and stated that it was actually a vocoder <laughs> just to keep it in there, which is fucking sick. Um... The music video was directed by British director Nigel Dick, um, who has produced the likes of Shout by Tears for Fears, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, and Baby One More Time by our girl Britney Spears. And that's, he did the film clips for those. Yes, he did. Uh, I know I said produce, but that was the best verb I could come up with on the spot. Uh, Believe reached number one on the ARIA charts and in Canada, Germany, New Zealand, the UK and the US Billboard Hot 100 to name just a few. Um, So she did pretty well for herself. I've written this song was massively successful. It was huge. Like going through like everywhere it went number one. Yeah. Not literally everywhere. Like don't at me on that and be like, actually in like... Serbia, it was number three. Like, <laughs> don't. It's fine. But, like, it was huge. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. It's just, like, well, I guess now's as good a time as any to go into what we think of the song. But, like... Or is now the time for me to, to reveal something about my brother? Go for it. So, the year was 1998. Shares Believe was a very big song. Yes. And, uh... My mother and myself, because I wasn't allowed uh, to be left alone in the house because I was nine years old, took my brother to a sanity music store because mm-hmm. he wanted to buy some music. And we didn't know, like, he didn't tell us what he was going to buy. And we were expecting, I don't know, like, maybe a new Metallica record or a new Pennywise record. Pantera, uh, uh, 
might have had a new album around about that time. Mm. And he comes back with the single of Believe. Beautiful. And uh, whatever that Tracy Chapman album was. Oh, yeah. The one Uh, with Fast Car on it. Yeah. And mum was just like, you bought Cher. And he's just like, there was no embarrassment to it. Like, he was just like, yeah, it's a good song. Your brother was one of the original Poptimists. And for that, I am very impressed. Not really, but like he... I'm I'm joking. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't... I didn't have a leg to stand on because I had Aqua's album on cassette, <laughs> so... I had Hamster Dance, so... Yeah. We're about on par, I think. You're probably <laughs> slightly cooler than I was. That... Oh, look, I'd like to re-listen to it. That Aqua album, I remember being amazing, so... Yeah. yeah. Aquarium. Aquarium, yeah, yeah. that's a good release. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just... I love how much this song... It... It immediately takes you back to the time when it was yeah. released. Like, but I would say there's still like a timeless quality to yeah. it. Yeah, especially like now that auto tune is huge. Um, but yeah, it's just like yeah, the sheer fact that like shares use of auto-tune became known as, like, the share effect, like... Oh, I remember... I remember it being, like, so confusing to some people, like, what the fuck is going on in that share song? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there is a... There is a South Park episode where it's like, oh, I've got the new... The new share album, and it's, like... And, like, the, the reenactment of it is literally just like... It's like... Nobody could wrap their head around it. I don't remember thinking it was overly weird, though. No. Like, I just remember, like, because especially during the parts, like, you've noted in our show notes that, like, you misremembered that the auto-tune was, like, on throughout the whole song, whereas Mm. it's not. No. But I think for me, like, my child brain sort of equated, like, the non-auto-tuned, like, verses and the... Um, auto-tuned chorus. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, like... Mm. Like, I wasn't sort of being, like, fake or, like, what is this? It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's cool. It's elevated. I don't know how they did it, but I like it. Yeah, and she definitely wasn't... I mean, she didn't know that it was happening, for one. Yeah. There was definitely no, like, trying to, like, fool people, but in my, you know, nine-year-old brain, I was like, wow, she's a fucking good singer. (laughs) She can do that with her voice. This is, like... Razel level good. Who's Razel? Razel was the beatboxer who claimed to have two voice boxes. Oh my god. So he could sing and beatbox at the same time. Right. That's... I've literally never heard of that. Okay. That's insane. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that up. Look that up and then look up Joel Turner. Oh, Joel Turner. I know Joel, Joel Turner. Turner was, Joel Turner was the shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a very Australian edition of the pod, but that's fine. That's fine. Um... Yeah, I I just, I like that this, yeah, I like that this song is so timeless. I don't really have much to say by way of, like, critique or, like, unpacking it, because to me it's mm. just, like, it exists as an entity that is just there. Like, it's always just on the periphery. Mm. Like, yeah, I never, like, whenever I hear it, I'm never sick of it. Like, it's just like, yes. It's it's kind of one of those ones, like, it sort of almost is like an amalgamation of her, like, 
her throughout the decades because yeah. she she was fifty two at the time of this. That's crazy. Well. It's like it's almost like because it has like a little bit of like like a bit of a disco sort of like yeah. drum kind of energy to it, but it's like very much doing what they were doing with like electronic pop sounds in the late nineties, and it's like it very much it very much she hold, she's holding her own. Yeah, in the like it doesn't feel like she's she's invading anyone else's space. She's just like cool, well, I want to do this sort of thing. And again, like, staying relevant for the time. She's 52, yeah. writing a song about love and, I guess, in parts, rejection as well, and, like, moving on from that. And it's, like, kind of also normalising normalizing love for people who are older than, you know, 22. Yeah, because so much of, like, pop music is around, like, young love and, yeah. like, teenage love. And, yeah, it's... And then in a way there's... there's it's it's both sadder and more triumphant. Yeah. In that, and it's like she basically, she basically, well, she didn't walk, but like she sort of. I was gonna say she walked so Madonna could run, but like she, she still kicks ass. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just I. <sighs> there's a lot to it, and and yeah, I just think that it's an incredibly impressive song. Yeah. Hard agree. Hard, hard agree. Mm. I I like that. I I I mean, I'm I'm familiar enough with her voice. Yeah. Um. But like, this is the first time I've actually like really listened to a share song, and it's like, oh yeah, I can definitely hear that. There's like a bit of ambiguity to her voice as it's well. It's just yeah, it's very rich and deep. Yeah, and like broad. Yeah. Like, she's not a diva in the traditional sense, I suppose. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned like, diva, and um, she she did work with one of, the, like, the women who was considered, like, a modern-day diva in Christina Aguilera in that yes, movie Burlesque. that's right. I don't think I've watched that, though. The only Cher movie I've seen um, wasn't Mask, with uh, where her son has like a horrible face deformity, mm-hmm. um, it was it's a movie called "If These Walls Could Talk," yeah, and it's yeah. So mum rented it when I was a kid, and it's so it's like three women in the same house, mm-hmm. but over like ones in the fifties, ones in the I think the seventies, and ones in the nineties, yeah. And so like in the fifties, it's Demi Moore who gets pregnant to her dead husband's brother. And so like, she can't bring shame to the family. So she gets, she gets an abortion in her kitchen and, and bleeds out and dies. Then it's, then it's Sissy Spacek and she, she gets pregnant. Um, and they've already got like four kids and they can't afford it. So what do they do? And then Cher is in the nineties playing, I think she played like an, an abortion doctor, oh, for fuck's and sake. and like the abortion clinic gets shot up. So it's not like it's Jesus. not a pro life movie because like they get killed by pro lifers. But it's I just remember this scene of like this this horror scene of Demi Moore dragging herself across the kitchen floor like bleeding oh out. Oh my god! Yeah. See, to me, that still feels like they're punishing the woman choosing to have an abortion. Yeah, but it was like it was done through. No, because it was done through a legal means. Like, it wasn't done... 
right. wasn't done like with like an accredited doctor and everything. It's sort of like saying, do this properly. Yeah. And you'll be safe in a clinic. Right. Okay. Don't do it on your kitchen table. Man. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. No, I, I, I haven't watched them, so I have no... Yeah. But it's just like, oh, that's the only chair movie I've seen. Good Lord. There's also that episode of Will and Grace. I love that. Oh. <laughs> um, shall we talk about... Artema. Yeah. So, this is going to be a bit of a running theme, I guess, for the Japanese bands. They're kind of hard to research. Yeah. Uh, They have a Facebook page. It's, you know, they come from Tokyo and it looks like they were active from 2011 to 2016. Yeah. And that's basically what I could find. Yeah. On them. So, just let's move on. What do you think of it? Uh, this one threw me the first time I listened to it, mostly because they have changed it up so much that, like, the verses are not recognisable outside the yeah. lyrics. Yeah. But I love that. Like, yeah. I remember sort of sitting on the train and listening to it and just being like, have I got the right song? Yeah. But then once the chorus kicks in, you're like, yes. Yeah. Like, I really love the way that they've treated this one. This is probably my favourite of the Japanese ones so far. Yeah. And it's also, this is also the first one that doesn't sound like it was recorded in a fishbowl. Yeah. Because we can only listen to these off of YouTube. I know, it's so annoying. Yeah. So, or we go to Japan and buy these albums. Yeah, true. Um, we can't import them, no. We have to buy, we have to go to the country itself. One day. Um, this is just one of those songs that just, I just want to run. Yeah. And punch. And, yeah, circle pit. I yeah. want to circle pit. I don't really. I I hate pits. <laughs> yeah. I I like them in theory, but in practice, they're kind of terrifying. Like, it doesn't feel... Like, there's no irony to it, though. No. Like, it, it definitely feels like a pl- it's coming from a place of love. And very sincere. And very sincere. Yeah. And... And, like, we'll see this within the other covers as well. It's, like, they all seem to... They all seem to... Except for maybe... Yeah, except for one. They all put in a bit of the auto-tune as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's not... It's not, like, making fun of Cher. It's, like, it's... It's an homage. It's a tribute to Cher and going, Hey, we love this song. Yeah. And, like, 
we will make it our own, but we'll give we'll keep it this we'll give this l- one little thing about it that yeah. still makes it yours as well. I don't know. It's um yeah, like it's it's very heavy during the verse, and then he uh, he comes in and, and sings, and it's got the auto tune in it. The one thing that I could do without is like every twenty seconds, there's like a shing sound, and you you pick up on it more when you're listening to it in headphones. Oh, I d- I did not pick up on that. Well, I... Glad I'm telling you now, and not like yeah, not true. not not before you listen to it. Like hey. Wait for that shing sound. I wonder what it is. It sounds like a it sounds like a like an over dramatized version of a sword being drawn. Oh, like, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was just like I heard it once and was like, "Oh, that just keeps happening," and I'm and I cannot unlisten to that. Yeah, but it doesn't detract enough for me to to all of a sudden not like it because i kind of love this cover like i think it's terrific yeah yeah i'm i'm i know a little bit sad that uh, they seem to not be active anymore well don't be sad because it's over smile because it happened true that's a that's a very mature way to look at it but i'll still be sad <laughs> sure. i choose to be sad okay um no, actually, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so we have one, two, three, four extra covers. I put in an extra one just because, yeah, we didn't have too much to really say about the band themselves. So, but yeah, ten out of ten. Um, we'll well listen done. again. Yes. Yes. So, first cab off the rank is DMAs. Uh, so Sydney band, and they. Do a very lovely cover for Triple J's Like a Version. But after all said and done, you're gonna be the lonely one. No, do you believe in life after love? I can feel something inside me say, I really. this take on it like it's just very gentle and earnest and it sort of brings out sort of like underneath the bravado of Cher's version Mm. like there is that sort of vulnerability that they do bring out and I really like that yeah that's a beautiful way to put it oh thanks I I wrote that myself in my brain (laughs) oh 
I, I like the top comment on the YouTube video just says, talking about the lead singer, face like a bricklayer, voice like an angel. So what sort of music do DMAs do? Because I've never heard of them before. Uh, I know they're Australian and they're doing an acoustic version. So I'm I'm assuming it's some kind of maybe acoustic indie or indie rock. Or... They are a rock band. I do believe they fall into like the indie type. Yeah. I'm sure I've heard their stuff before, but I just don't know it off the top of my head. Well, then there's another like a version where someone else has done their own version of a DMA song. So... Oh, yeah, that's right. Relatively popular over here. Yeah. I just... Yeah, don't... Okay, so just to clarify, according to Wikipedia, DMAs fall into the genres of indie rock, alternative rock, Britpop revival, and alternative dance. He does kind of have a British inflection in his voice. Yeah, So he's probably very influenced by Oasis and Blur. I think I saw an interview, because I think DMAs played, like, Laneway Festival a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they, I think the front man was interviewed about seeing Oasis performing, like, on home turf, and, like, just being, like, blown away by, like, how big the reception was for them, and, like, I think he's kind of obsessed with, like, I think it was Liam Gallagher. I'm going to sound like an idiot. Now, home turf, you mean like they played in England. Yes. And that's not the name of a festival. No, no, no. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. It's... So, yeah, I do think you're on the money with that. Um, and I guess it's sort of a British sort of inflection is slightly less removed than putting on an American one if you're an Australian band. I mean, yeah, it's closer to it's closer yeah. to what we do. We don't do a British accent, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I would prefer the Australian inflection in it, but like, at this stage, it's like, so many, so many musicians who aren't American put on an American inflection, so mm-hmm. it's kind of refreshing. Sorry to any American friends listening to this, but it's kind of refreshing when you don't hear an American accent coming through in the music. Now get off my lawn. Get off of my proverbial lawn. Um, I'm going to lay some lawn on my balcony. So, what do you think of this song? No, it's really lovely. Like, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite pretty. And it's very just, it's very just personal and gentle. And, and yeah, it's, like like the comment said, he has the, the voice of an angel. He has a really, he has a really beautiful voice. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like I, I'm happy that this exists. I'm happy that all of these exist. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have a single one this week that I'm like, nah, I don't like this one. Yeah. Um, I chose well. You did well done. Like, like my food choices when we go out for lunch. <laughs> yeah. Pretty regularly, we'll go out for lunch, and like I'll choose mine, you'll choose yours, and you're like, got food envy. I know. It's on me. I need to. <laughs> move out of my comfort zone every now and then. But speaking of lovely voices, uh, the next cover mm. we have is by Adam Lambert. Because I know that I am strong I don't need you anymore 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 
one of those classic videos of said performance where it cuts away to like various industry figureheads and like share is there. I had mentioned that he apparently had said that he's like, he talked about like what it was like making share cry with this. And, and we were both like, ah, I don't know if Cher cried over this. And then, like, it literally, that second it cuts back to her and she's crying. <laughs> I know. We were just like, oh, whoops. <laughs> I think it's because they cut to an... Or, like, cut to an excerpt. Or not excerpt, but, like... It shows her initially and she just sort of looks very stone-faced. But she's probably just very, like, she's concentrating yeah. hard on it. And look... Let's be honest, she's had a lot of work done, so we don't know how much her face really moves. Mm. But, like, she just sort of looks like she she either doesn't want to be there or she's concentrating or whatever. And then it, like, goes back to him for a little while and then it cuts back to her and she's, yeah, she's wiping tears away. I and think it's because like, she was composing herself. And then yeah. She, yeah, it's very touching. Um, yeah. I like Adam Lambert. He's, yes. He's fun. Yes. Um... As I was saying to you, like, whenever I see him, I'm, I, I'm like, oh, cool, Adam Lambert. Yeah, yeah, I don't mean that in a condescending sense. It's just like, fuck yeah. Um, like, we've talked about him very briefly on our Rocky Horror um, halfway episode, because he... He played Eddie. He did. Yeah. And he fucking killed it. Like, I love it so much. That's right. I, he forgot, just, I forgot that. Yeah, he brings a really awesome, like, energy to what he does. Like, he doesn't half-ass it. Yeah. Which, of course you wouldn't if you were being paid to do these kinds of things. But, like, you can tell how passionate he is about Cher and about Believe in his cover. It's not every day you can say the sentence, the lead singer of Queen made Cher cry. I know. Yep. I do remember, like, I, I, I'd never really listened to his stuff before. But, like, I remember seeing, like, I think it was his first album, and it was like, oh, wow, he looks like a, he almost looks like a space punk, or it's like, that's what punk is going to look like yeah. in, like, the future. Like, 2075 punk is going to look like that. I do remember, like, he sort of took the, like, scene, like, yeah. emo-ish aesthetic, but, like, made it cooler. <laughs> yeah. Like, whereas, like, I don't know, like, the original sort of scene, you probably just wanted to, like give whoever you walk past a wedgie and they'll just like...
So the next cover is performed by the band's Royal Thunder and Intronaut, or members of the band's Royal Thunder and Intronaut, uh, for the, I believe it's a YouTube show, Two Minutes to Late Night, and it's uh, like a, uh, it's like a, to- a late night talk show, but everything's heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically, like, they'll have guests from different bands, and at the end, they'll all get together and play a cover song. It's like they've done like Purple Rain. Yeah. Um, and during COVID, they were doing they were doing the same thing, but from you know their homes because they couldn't you know, go and go and see each other. Yeah. Um, I know that I know that Ben Weinman from Dillinger Escape Plan and Frank Iero Sick. have guested a few times. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. I don't know the bands Intronaut or Royal Thunder, so I don't know who's who out of those bands. But um, yeah, so this was this was for one of their shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has a real Eddie Money, two tickets to paradise kind of vibe yeah. to it at the start. <laughs> yeah, just has a very a very rocky kind of feel with uh, you know a sick guitar solo and I don't know it's. It's it's just a very sort of meat and potatoes kind of cover, but it works. I like it. Like, yeah. it doesn't blow my mind because it's very no. sort of, like you said, like very cut and dried. But, like, if I heard this at a show, I'd be stoked. Yeah. Like, I would go off chops if I heard this. And this is one of those cases where they, I mean, it's not throughout the whole song, but, like, there is a part where they put the auto-tune on. Yeah. And, yeah, it... it it again is just sort of like a nod to share and yeah. and yeah i i think it's just i don't know it's it, it's it's i'm i'm making it sound crap but it's like it's when you sort of getting a few people and just sort of going hey play this song yeah but it's it's better than that like i still yeah. very much enjoyed it and and i've enjoyed um i've enjoyed their covers that they do um because like a lot of bands have been doing this during the COVID era where it's like you'll get lots of like heavy metal musicians doing heavy metal covers yeah whereas the two minutes to late night which if i'm not mistaken is a reference to just like late night or like whatever the late night talk show was that was just called late night Mm -hmm. and the iron maiden song two minutes to midnight okay yeah um, they do covers of, yeah, songs like Share and, or songs like Believe and songs like Pepper Rain. You know, they, they go, they, they have the very much like the metal ideology, but like branching out a bit yeah. as well. I think this sort of encapsulates the element of like the metal scene that I enjoy, like that mm. sort of sector that, and I'm very much generalizing here, but like that sector that does. Like, it is more playful, I guess. Yeah. Like, this is sort of like party metal to me. I like yeah. it. Yeah. But it can laugh at itself because really, like, metal is, by and large, kind of goofy. Yeah. It's kind of, like, all the different subgenres, they're kind of goofy. Yeah. They're kind of silly. And they're kind of silly in the fact that like so many of these musicians are just stone faced. Like, no, this is my life and this is serious. It just makes it more silly. Yeah. 
So it's, yeah, it's it does play on that playful side of things. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of the song. And, like, they just do a good, as I said, like, a good standard rock cover of Believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and the last cover for tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, is... You can only listen to this during night time. Yes. Uh, the last cover is by Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. I sit around and wait for you, well I can do that. And there's no turning back. Yeah, a couple of members from Lagwagon. Yep. Um, yeah, I can't remember who. I know the the drummer. No, no, the guitarist from No Use for a Name, who is now like the guitarist for Foo Fighters or bassist for Foo Fighters, oh, okay. has guested. Um, I know that there are other members, but I can't remember what bands. Yeah, they are from. Fine. It's a super group. It's a super group punk sort of rockabilly group. Yeah. We have talked about them before, I think. Yes. Um, but yeah, this is good. Yeah. Like, to me, this is probably more leaning on the, like, meat and potatoes but boring element as opposed mm. to, like, meat and potatoes as in, like, your constants and you can rely on them, like... It's meat and potatoes without salt. Yeah. To, to sort of liven it up. Like, it's good. Yeah. But yeah, it needs salt. This, to me, falls into the novelty category of covers as opposed to the, let's see what we can do with this. Yeah, because they also did a cover of, um, that we talked about, of the Paula Abdul song, uh, Um, Straight Up. Yes. And that definitely was, hey, let's see what we can do as like a punk cover of this. Yeah. Whereas this one is... Like, it's good. Again, like, I, as I said, like, I don't have a song on this that, that I'm thinking, nah, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, it's pretty standard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if it might have been, like, the last one they were recording and they just didn't have the energy for it. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's the pizza of covers where, like, even if it is a bit sort of average, I still like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can I can eat bad pizza all day. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Um We have a we have a group that is just solely based on like they we only came together with uh your all love of uh La Paqueta. Which will mean nothing to anyone outside of Australia. So would would uh what's his name, the beatboxer? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to give any context? Oh, La Paqueta is a chain of pizza joints. 
I forgot to tell you, actually, yes. um, when I was having issues with my work the other day, yes. I think it was because I drove past that La Paqueta three times <laughs> in the one day. It's a chain of, it's a chain of uh, pizza places. And when they first began, it was very much like a, there was a La Paqueta that opened up in my area and it was very much sort of seen as like, Ooh, this is gourmet pizza. Mm. Um, and then like you sort of discovered, Oh, there's, there's actually more La Pochettas and then La Pochetta's shit. I like La Pochetta because it was probably the fanciest thing that we could go to growing up. Cause we lived in like bumfuck nowhere mm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have a soft spot for like crap sort of stuff, mm. much like this cover. <laughs> um, it's it's a solid C plus. Yeah, like, like I'm stoked with a C plus, but it's it's you know, it's you... like it's comfort food. It's, yes. Yeah. Um, and we should probably just stop comparing it to stuff and move on. In that case, hell yeah, oh yeah, nah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. For all of it. Yes. Um, what are we doing next week? Oof, I'd have to bring out my phone. We are covering Heartless by Kanye West as covered by The Word Alive for Punk Goes Pop 3. Yes. We're heading west. Wait, we are heading west. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, like, did Kanye have um, beef with, like, the East Side boys? I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. Well, he's from West and they're from East. I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. I don't know. This has been Believe. <laughs>